Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again to take a trip down that black and gold memory lane. My name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Tony Defio is with me as always, and we are excited once again to talk about a great game from Steelers yesteryear. Remember, on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, you are going to get all the news you want about the current 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers, but you know what? It feels so good, Tony, to go back in time, and that's what we're going to do. And we're going to go way back, way, way back to the 1970s, my friend. How are you? I am doing great. This is this is back when I was uh, just getting into Sesame Street. That little did I know what kind of spell the Steelers would eventually have on me. But I wasn't. It wasn't cast just yet. 1976, but it was still a great game, and I can't wait to talk about it. So I don't remember this game, and you told me that you've seen it a few times. I just had the pleasure of watching it over the weekend, and it is definitely fantastic. It is a great one to watch, and you can see how dominant that defense was. And this was the year that Bradshaw did not play a lot. Terry Bradshaw missed six games, and this is the year that Mike Krusek went 6-0 and but did not throw a touchdown pass. And this is also the year that experts say that was one of the best Steeler teams of all time, especially the greatest assemblance of a defense ever was that 1976 team. They were unstoppable. Absolutely. I remember watching a uh, NFL film special on this on this team back in like the 90s. I don't know when it was filmed, 
that I remember seeing Jack Lambert sitting in the woods somewhere talking about this year, saying this is the greatest defense in the history of the NFL. And it's hard to dispute. It was a fan, just so dominant. And they needed it to be for them to, to go on their run at the end of the year and, and make the playoffs with Bradshaw out and, and, and hurting all year. This was a, an incredible defense. So let's get into it, Tony. Six days before Christmas, yes, Santa was on its way, but the Steelers were already in the playoffs. How crazy is that to think that the playoffs were going on and we didn't even hit Christmas yet? You know, this year, uh, the past season, 2020, you know, we had two games after Christmas. It was absolutely insane, Tony. The continued expansion of of the regular season. Uh, Back then it was about 14 games and then it would go to 16 now it's going to be 17, so I guess the Super Bowl will get moved back even more. Absolutely. They're saying around a Valentine's Day coming up in 2022, so uh, that should be really interesting. But let's go back to Christmas of 76. I was only five years old. I had just turned five, so I don't have much of a recollection of this game whatsoever. I might have been sat in front of it, but I don't really know. But what I do know is that the number one defense, that Steel Curtain defense, rolled into Charm City to battle Burt Jones and Baltimore and the top-rated offense in the NFL. This was a very good Colts team. Number one on Billboard was Tonight's the Night by Rod Stewart, a great love song. I'm, I'm sure that when you're wooing the ladies, Tony, that you put on a little Rod Stewart. Oh, you have to go where the uh, the classics are. I mean, some women appreciate that. Stephen King's thriller, Carrie, was tops at the movies. That, that's something that always freaked me out, that movie. And Irma Bombeck's The Life's Always Greener on the Other Side of the Septic Tank was the number one best-selling book in the world. How about that on New York Times? Were you a big reader of Irma Bombeck when you were five years old, Tony? No, I don't, I don't remember that one, but maybe I'll get into it now. I'll, I'll look it up after the show. <laughs> there you go. Let me know how that works out for you. Okay. So the Colts kicked off with Ernest Pugh, number 85 for the Steelers back to receive. So Pugh took the ball at his very own three, and he was walloped immediately with the ball squirting loose. Colts defenders looked to pounce on it, but luckily... John Frenchy Fuqua fell on the ball for the recovery to avoid disastrous results. So Bradshaw comes out. He brings his charges onto the field to face a defense of the Colts that even though their offense was great, they led the league with 57 sacks. So they were good on both sides of the ball, Tony. After the 1,000-yard tandem of Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer, their best year ever combined for two yards and first and second down, The Blonde Bomber, Terry Bradshaw, went to the air on third down to Frank Lewis, number 43, and he burned the Baltimore defender for 76 yards and the score. Tony, it was estimated that the Blonde Bomber threw the ball 65 yards in the air. Oh, it was was a perfect pass, and and, and Frank Lewis was was probably a forgotten receiver from from their early Super Bowl years. Uh, I think he was the first-round pick in 71. And uh, he was starting uh, in this game ahead of uh, John Starworth didn't really start till 77, 76, or I guess 1977. So yeah, Frank Lewis was, was a real weapon for them. And, and the thing I found funny about, about this uh, beginning of this game is John Brody. He was doing the, the, the color commentary. He was like, well, I think Bradshaw starting this game because he won two straight Super Bowls. But, but if he struggles, Mike Kruzak could come in and do the job. And I just think it, it's funny how, how time, you know, changes like back then, 
people didn't think how, they didn't realize how good Bradshaw would wind up being. And and obviously we know now that Mike Kruzak couldn't have <laughs> couldn't have done the job. So Terry Bradshaw was in a, a Hall of Famer, and he showed it on this with this throw. It was a fantastic throw, just a bomb. Well, when you have two 1,000-yard rushers like they did with Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris and you have Frenchie Fuqua and Reggie Harrison wasn't that bad either, you could kind of manage your way through six games, not throw a touchdown pass, and still win all six. You know, I mean, right, you're right. able to do that when you have that supporting cast. But in the playoffs, it's a different animal. History shows us that number 12, Terry Bradshaw, was a lot better than number 15, Mike Krusek, but a valuable backup indeed. So they went for the extra point, Tony. And it seems like every time we talk about these 70s teams, Roy Jarella struggles. And he was hurt in this game, Yeah, but he still went out. He missed the point after. So the Steelers only led 6 nothing, But just like that, they were on the board. No, yeah, that's that's the one Achilles heel of the of the seventies teams were uh, special teams. Uh, they 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 seem to have they seem to struggle with hunting, kicking, returns, uh, covering. <laughs> it, it was even Jack Cam remarked one time that it was it was the one thing they they could never quite figure out was the special teams. And yeah, uh, Drella, but Drella uh, was hurt on this uh, in this game, so that 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 may, may explain why he missed the extra point. Well, if it wasn't for Drella the year before and Jack Lambert coming to defend him. They might not win that Super Bowl in Super Bowl 10. So Jarella's problems helped fuel the Steelers because Lambert went crazy and had 14 <laughs> tackles in that game after he spiked Hall of Famer Cliff Harris to the ground. So I uh, thank goodness for New Mexico's Roy Jarella. Here come the Colts, Tony, aided by penalties and passes to Lydell Mitchell. The Colts neared midfield. Burt Jones went for the home run ball, but Mike Wagner... Another unsung stealer. I know he was on four teams and everybody talks about him, but you just kind of forget about how great he was. The safety made a leaping interception at the 12-yard line. He returned it to the Colts 22, and the Steelers had the ball again. I thought it was funny, the remark by John Brody, that Wagner was holding the ball like a loaf of bread. Yeah, he had a tendency to do that when he, when he returned interceptions. He had a lot of interceptions for them in big games too, and every, it seemed like every time you saw a highlight of him returning an interception, he just he was just holding it out. I guess he was a disciplined player, but that's the one area where I guess he lacked discipline. But it was still a big play, and, and he kind of baited Bird Jones into in thinking the receiver was open, and he wasn't in that area. It was a great great play by him. That's why Mikey Wagner was not a receiver and a safety instead, Tony. <laughs> Absolutely, that's right. After the turnover, the Steelers' offense took the field without Rocky Blyer, who was on the sideline after that first series with an injury to his toe. As the running game continued, it struggles to get going. Bradshaw and Lewis, they hooked up again. They continued to thrive, this time on third down with a 20-yard gain. But the drive did stall, and here comes the erratic Jarella. He comes on 45 yards away. Doesn't look good, Tony, but... It was good, wasn't it? Yeah, that surprised me. I know I've watched this game on YouTube a couple of times, but you know, I, I was shocked that he, he missed the extra point. He had what an injured groin. He nails this forty-five yard field goal to give them a nine-nothing lead. I guess, I guess there was a reason why he stuck with them for so long. The score was now nine-nothing, but the Colts would answer with runs by Mitchell and Roosevelt leaks and passes to Raymond Chester. Lido Mitchell again. Jones went deep to Roger Carr, number 81, for 17 yards. He had over 1,100 yards in that 1976 season. 
He was alone in the right corner of the end zone. He beat JT Thomas. And with 117 left in the first, the Steelers held on to a nine to seven lead, Tony. Yeah, that was uh, at th- this point in the game, it looked like it was going to be a, a shootout. You know, the, the, the Colts led by Burt Jones had a fantastic offense, as, as you mentioned. And, 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 and as they said at the beginning of the game it was the irresistible force against the immovable object. And it looked like it was going to be that kind of game. And this is big right at this point for the, the Colts to, to, to answer the Steelers nine, nothing lead and get right back in the game and make it nine, seven on the ensuing kickoff. Rookie T-Bell's long return set the Steelers up at the Colts' 32-yard line. Harris took the reins and rolled off runs of 19, 5, and 8 to get down to the 6-yard line. After three yards from Fuqua, number 32 took the ball inches away from the goal line. Then comes Reggie Harrison as he converted from inches out for the score. After Jarella converted, the Steelers led 16-7 minutes into the second quarter. After a short series that ended in a punt to the Steelers' nine, the Steelers came back looking for more again, Tony, when a long ball to Lewis was caught out of bounds. Bradshaw wiped it off and said, all right, let's go again. He connected on third down to Lynn Swan to move the chain. Then he threw a pass to Harris for another first down. After a first down pass to Swan, Harris broke off a 42-yarder to get inside the five-yard line. But Reggie Harrison, who had a good game today, he kind of dropped the ball here, Tony. What happened? He made a real, real error here and, and fumbled. And I was wondering, looking at this game, why didn't they just give it? Why didn't they just keep Franco in on, on the uh, short yarded situations? He was a he was a fullback and he was a, a big money back, and he he had uh, set them up in, in great position with the forty two yard run. So I was I was wondering why why uh, Harrison was uh, giving the ball, but I guess he was even back then they had specialists and he was he was a short yardage guy, but. But he obviously blundered on this play, and he kept the Colts in the game. The Colts could not do much with it, though, Tony. A Dwight White sack of Burt Jones helped set up a punt, and then the Steelers went on the offensive again. They stayed on the ground with Frenchie Fuqua carrying the load with Blyer announced being out for the game now. After moving the ball deep into Colts territory, Bradshaw went deep to Swan on a second and 10 from the twenty-nine. All alone in the end zone, number 88 hauled it in for the score to complete the scoring drive of only 145, and it's a 23-7 to score. The Colts got the ball back with good field position after another Aaron Chirella kickoff at their own 35. But a desperate heave by Jones landed in the waiting arms of the great Glenn Edwards, who returned it to the original line of scrimmage. I got to tell you, Glenn Edwards, Tony, that's another guy. Number 27. He had some Pro Bowls under his belt. He was really good, but you just don't talk about him with how deep this defense was. How good was Glenn Edwards in your eyes? I think he was very good. He, he was uh, he started on their first two Super Bowl teams, and you know we always talk about Mike Wagner and, and Donnie Shell as the safeties, but here's another guy, and he went on a pretty good career with the Chargers after he left Pittsburgh. But yeah, he was he was good. It just shows you how good that defense and how deep it was, and and to allow a player like that to leave and, and still be really good and still have two good, one a Hall of Famer and Donnie Shell now safeties to, to, to take his place. I, I think it was amazing. The Steelers rode Harris through the air and on the ground. And they got down to the Colts' eight-yard line. With time expiring, though, here comes Jarella in to kick a field goal of 25 yards. And he did. The half ended with the visitors harassing the home team by a score of 26-7, to Tony. Yeah, this was was thorough dominance, uh, just a methodical 
dominant performance by the Steelers on offense and defense. You look at the stats after the first half, I was shocked when I think it was NBC, the game was on and, and they, and they posted them at halftime, 311 yards for the Steelers and 95 for the Colts. Now this is a game. These are two teams where the, the Colts were supposed to be the better offense, but the Steelers were just, you know, obviously arguably the greatest dynasty of all time. And, and they could do it on offense and defense. They really could. And were they going to continue that dominance after halftime? We are going to find out when we come back right after this on the Steelers Retro Show. Welcome back to the Steelers Retro Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Tony Defio is alongside with me. And we are in a dandy of a playoff game from 1976. The Steelers won two straight Super Bowls the two seasons before. They were trying to get the third one. And we're going to see what happens so far. It's looking really good against the Colts. Second year in a row, they're playing the Colts. And this time, they are leading 27-6. to And it's feeling mighty fine, Tony. After halftime, the Colts and Steelers, they traded punts, which was kind of rare in this game. But the biggest news was Franco's exit due to a rib injury. After a gang sack by Ham, Lambert, and Green was negated by a defensive penalty, the Colts moved into Steelers' territory. But on the very next play, Jones threw complete to Lydell Mitchell, but the ball was jarred loose by Ham and Andy Russell, recovered it at their own 29, thwarting the Baltimore drive seemingly. But that didn't happen. That was negated too, Tony. They blew the whistle. They said that they said this. I guess this forward momentum was stopped. It, it didn't make any sense. I mean, that's one area where you know they, they talk about that play with the Oilers and Steelers a few years later in the AFC Championship game. But this is, this is definitely a, a play where instant replay would have been very valuable because it, clearly his momentum wasn't stopped and it really was a fumble. But whatever. It was 1976. What are you going to do? <laughs> you, you're right, Tony. I agree with you completely on that one. But Ham and Russell, they would team up to sack Jones and force another Baltimore punt. But again, the Colts kept the ball when Larry Brown got called for roughing the punter. So the Colts had chance after chance after chance, but the defense held again by stopping the Colts on fourth down. So all of that, all of those second chances, and the Colts get nothing. With Reggie Harrison now the lead back, the Steelers were moving the chains on the ground. After a long completion of Swan, the Steelers were closing in on the red zone at the end of the third quarter, Tony. So one quarter to go, the Steelers seem to be in control, my man. Absolutely. And you mentioned all the chances the Colts had previous drive. And it just goes to show you how great that defense was. They, they never blinked. They, they were always ready for the next play. No matter, They never let the, the previous play bother them. And, and, and for them to stop the Colts there and, and a turnover on downs and, and give the ball back to Pittsburgh, I think that was, that was, that's when you knew the game was over and Pittsburgh was going to waltz home with a, a playoff victory. To start the fourth, Harrison converted another third down. Then from the 10-yard line, the original TB12 threw a strike on a slant route and waltzed into the end zone to increase the Steelers' lead to 33-7. to Who was the man that caught that ball? It was his second touchdown of the game, Lynn Swan, Tony. So this one was much different than the first one. The first one we didn't really talk about. It was a long ball where he was all alone, and this one was a slant across the middle, two different plays, but equally great by number 88. Yeah, and he was he was wide open on each one, and it was, it was you know, Lynn Swan, he was – 
he was not just a uh, a a ballerina you know with, with with those kind of moves that can jump and control in the air he was also very tough and not, not that he got hit on this play but he could do it long he could do it short he, he could go inside he can go over the middle and this is uh, a great example on this little slant pass uh into the end zone and it was just this is at, at this point 33 to 7 early in the fourth quarter it, it was an absolute clinic by the black and gold it really was and they were going to try to keep this going in the fourth, but Jones was still trying to make things happen. He was not going to give up. You know, Burt Jones was one of those quarterbacks that was the cream of the league, especially that year, and he showed it. He was a very good player. He had pinpoint throws to Roger Corrigan and Glenn Doty and runs by Mitchell, and ultimately Roosevelt Leakes got in for the score, contributing to the score now being 33-14 to 14, with 10-44 left in the contest. Do you think that fans were getting nervous with the quick strike ability of the Baltimore Colts after this score that they could come back, Tony? I'm thinking at that time, probably because this was the same year where if you remember week one against the Raiders, well, we don't you know one of us remember that we know that they get, they blew a 31, I think it was 31 17 lead in the last like three minutes and they, and they lost like in regulation. So maybe they were probably still feeling the sting of that game. And they were uh, a little leery of the Colts. And as you said, they're high-powered offense. Burr Jones was a really great quarterback for that era. So, yeah, they were probably getting a little bit nervous. Yeah, they had to resort to an onside kick being covered by Benny Cunningham at the 50-yard line. Bradshaw came out throwing. After a hold set them back, Fuqua was featured on the ground with both his legs and his hands as a receiver as he gained 50 total yards on the drive to get the black and gold down to the 10. And I got to tell you, I've told you the story. I had a chance to drive Frenchie Fuqua a couple years ago to an airport in Virginia, and I had some time in the car with him. Just what a fantastic guy. And I I felt bad when I uh, watched this game because Frenchie did all the work. Then with 10 yards out, they give the ball to Reggie Harrison, and Harrison wrapped up the drive with a 10-yard score, his second of the game, to make the tally 40-14, to in favor of the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers. So here comes Roy Jarella, but no, it's not Roy, it's Ray. What's going on here, Tony? Ray Mansfield is now kicking. It was uh, it was his last game, and, and Roy Jarella was uh, was injured. It was 39-14. The game was wrapped up, and Chuck Miller threw him a little bit a little bone, and uh, Ray he was perfect. If you, if you look at the, at the, at the sidelines, Chuck Knoll was, uh, he showed a rare emotion, you know, laughing and, and seemed to really be celebrating for and, and happy for Ray Mansfield. It was really great to see. From there, the Colts were engaging in an exercise of futility, Tony. Dwight White and Joe Green, they sacked Jones. And then from there, Mike Krusek came on in, but it was to mop up the game. And that's exactly what they did the Steelers would end up triumphing in this game, 40-14. to Then they would go on the next week to the AFC Championship against the Oakland Raiders for a trip on the line to Super Bowl XI. But Tony wasn't meant to be. You didn't have Rocky Blyer, no Franco Harris, and not even Roy Jarella because Ray Mansfield was kicking in that game for the Steelers as well. They fell 24-7. to and failed to reach the third straight Super Bowl of their young playoff career, Tony. Yeah, it was a tough blow for them, a tough break. I mean, they had so much so much momentum going into this game. 
uh, where they went nine in a row to end the regular season. And, and then they just thoroughly dominated the Colts. In my opinion, this is probably the, the greatest postseason game in the history of the franchise as far as dominance, total dominance. And to lose your, your two top running backs, two guys that rush for a thousand yards for you in your regular season, I, I don't think you can ever look that. And, and yeah, the defense struggled against the Raiders, but if you're the Steelers going into this game, you had to change your entire game plan. And it just, it just wasn't meant to be, but, but it was, it was a heck of a run for them. And, and as we will find out later part of the decade, they had, they had um, some more greatness left in them, more championship success waiting for them. They indeed did Tony. And I tell you what, that success, you realize why it happened because they were able to spread the ball around in this game. But if you look at the stats, Bradshaw was absolutely perfect. When you look at the fact that a quarterback had 264 yards in a game, that that was a lot for back then. Bradshaw was 14 for 18 with a quarterback rating of 158.3 and 264 yards. He did not do that a lot. That was a big game for Terry B. Krusek, believe it or not, was five for six with 44 yards. They didn't make him hand off the ball when he was uh, mopping up. He got to throw the ball as well. But look at the rushers, Tony. Franco Harris, 18 attempts, 132 yards. His longest was 50. He had three receptions for 24 yards. So 156 total yards for Franco. Frenchie had 54 yards on 11 carries. Reggie Harrison had those two touchdowns. And he had 40 yards on 10 carries. So that running game was really moving, Tony. It was, it was, it was, they were a machine at this point. And uh, you mentioned Bradshaw's stats and, and his, his yards per attempt and in, in the, for his career was great. But, and when, once he got to the postseason, he really turned it on in that regard. And, and I looked up some of his numbers, uh, his postseason numbers for yards per attempt. And he just, he was off the charts and he was, just, he was really a big, a big game, a big game quarterback. But you mentioned Franco Harris and the 132 yards that he had before he left. It was just a shame that they couldn't have him for this game against the Raiders because I think maybe history would be different and maybe they would have been the first team ever to win three straight Super Bowls. They very well could have with that entire defense, but yeah, you're right. We are never going to know, and that's a shame. The receivers, like we said, were very good as well. Frank Lewis had that one touchdown, 103 yards. Lynn Swan had five receptions for 77 John Stallworth was one for eight, and T. Bell had two receptions for 25 as well. So uh, Bradshaw had was able to spread it around to eight different targets in that game and looked pretty good. And he would have probably been able to you know, throw Rocky Blyer into the mix as well, but Rocky Blyer was off because of that injury as well. But even though we don't know what would have happened if they would have uh, had a full complement of their roster going up against the Oakland Raiders the next week, we still look at this game in fondness. It was a fantastic display by a fantastic team. This is the team that when you look at the greatest teams not to win a Super Bowl, this team is usually ranked up there, Tony. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, this team is celebrated almost as much as their six Super Bowl teams. You know, it's just, it was just a really dominant year and they started out one and four and it looked like they were going to, you know, they, they lost Bradshaw. He was slammed on his head by Turkey Jones of the Browns and it looked like they were just going to, you know, 
you know, missed the playoffs completely, but they, they, they hung in there. You know, Joe Green made the announcement after Terry Bradshaw got hurt and said, nobody, nobody gets past the 50 from now on. And, and they almost made that happen. I mean, you look at the stats, 28 uh, points over the last nine games. There was just an incredible team, incredible time. And four Super Bowls in six years, not bad at all. Not, not a bad run, even though they didn't win one this year. A little footnote to this entire game, Tony. Usually at the beginning, I'm talking about things that happened on this date in history. And there was something, the main thing that happened on this date in history, besides the fact that the Steelers and Colts played this game, there was a plane crash. A Piper Cherokee crashed into the upper stands of a stadium, and luckily no one was seriously hurt. Probably about 10, 20 minutes after the game, that happened at Baltimore's Memorial Stadium. Luckily, there were no casualties, nobody seriously hurt. But a very strange footnote to this game, Tony. Absolutely. I, I remember reading about this. And, and then I, I heard the uh, once I got a f- YouTube uh, a few years ago, I, I, I listened to the to the play by play of this. And whoever did this, he was a lunatic and he did it on purpose. I, you know, I don't know what he was thinking, but in a way, it's a good thing that it was a blowout for the uh, visitors because that the stands might have been uh, full when this uh, guy decided to do this. So. Uh, thankfully the Steelers were as dominant as they were because they probably saved some lives that day. I never thought of it that way. That's awesome. And you gave me some insight. I didn't know as much about that as you did. So that's really interesting. Tony, this was great. Thank you so much for going back into our black and gold DeLorean and checking this game out with us. Oh, it was, it was so much fun. I, I can watch this game over and over again for, for one of the few times in my life. I wish I was about 10 years older so I can remember watch this game in person or or live because this was fantastic and maybe the most dominant performance period regular season postseason whatever by the Steelers it was just it was fantastic on both sides of the ball you know what Tony I was thinking that we were going to do another important game from right before Christmas next week as we go back to the 2000s but I'm thinking about the Colts and I'm thinking about a dominant Steelers performance so my friend Let's go back to 2014, some Bumblebee uniforms, and we'll check out the Colts and Steelers once again. But this time, it's going to be at Heinz Field. Sounds good to me. And that one I do remember. I was old, I was in my 40s then, so uh, I definitely remember that one. I remember it because I was at that game, but I'll tell you more about that next week. For Tony Defio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis, and you could take us away. We don't mind, but you better promise us We'll be back in time for the retro show. We'll see you later. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.